Hi, I'm Michael LaFaver. I'm Ryan Matlock. Welcome to our review of Down Gilead Lane by Beth Culp, episode 83, on our return to Gilead. guys welcome to the season six finale of return to gilead wow. and of down gilead lane this review we're going to be covering the final episode of season six beth culp's final episode blessed are they which is 6-12 in the series and also after this discussion we're going to be talking about down gilead lane as a whole sort of our, our thoughts on the whole series but first we're we'll be talking about this ryan this is the end at least an ending of the halfway point of gilead but the end of what we've known so far. Yes. It's kind of crazy that we're here already. Yeah. It took the slow walk, what, I think two years to get to this point? And then again, <laughs> we are going at three times speed. Yeah. yeah. And I don't <laughs> I remember. Hate- I, I want to <laughs> share this with the audience. Yeah. When Michael pitched this to me because initially he was just like hey Gilead is really cool I want to do a podcast and I was like you know that sounds fun (laughs) and initially I thought I think I don't know I don't know if I even knew he was going to actually make a whole new podcast I think he just wanted to review it on AIO audio news as like a bonus thing and then when he started giving me his ideas he was like I was thinking we would release three episodes a week (laughs) and to be you're like Hold honest, up, what? <laughs> I was like, that is a very aggressive schedule. <laughs> Maybe let's slow it down. And he's like, no. <laughs> but it was fine. Uh, we've done it, and we've managed to get this far. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we're halfway there. Living on a prayer. <laughs> I unfortunately don't get that reference. Wait, and also Mountain I- Dew. Th- that and what? you don't you don't know that reference? I, I, it's a song. I, We're halfway there. Wow, living on a prayer. Yeah, okay. I've heard that song before. I just didn't pick up on the lyrics. Never committed them to memory. But yes, I I actually partway through these reviews, I was trying to figure out what the best way to review an episode was, how to prepare, and I actually figured out not drinking Mountain Dew works better because if you remember in season one, I was really insecure about what the format was going to be and what I was going to say, <laughs> and so yes. there was a lot that was cut out, but that's fine because it was able to fit in within the 15 minute to 25 minute time slot that I'd picked out and that I'd worked out with JD Sutter actually, who gave me some help on that. Um, and JD was like, if you go over 25 minutes, it's probably not going to work to do three episodes a week. I said, okay, what if we keep it under 25? He's like, then you might have a shot. So it's been under 25 for basically every episode, except for a couple of extended ones that we've had. And I found not drinking Mountain Dew and not being caffeinated while doing these reviews actually helps my sanity because I need to be able to concentrate and too much caffeine this late at night doesn't work. But you hear that, kids? Stimulants are no good. If someone <laughs> offers you stimulants, just say no. Now that's good. Or say he 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 and spike them over the net. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they get spiked over the net and they go, ah! <laughs> what? You, you don't like my stimulants? <laughs> Sorry. 
Continue like back. Caleb stimulants. <laughs> Continue back with what you were talking about with the initial pitch for this because we've we oh, have yeah. come a long way on this. We have, but yeah, he he's like we'll we'll do three episodes a week and like sometimes bonus episodes and stuff. And I was like, that is crazy. We we can try it, and it it it's gone all right. And I, I think honestly, at the beginning, my thought was that the reviews were gonna take as long as our Odyssey reviews, which <laughs> those go for like hours. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. If we've done that, then no, that would not have been sustainable. No. But this is, and, and it's gone really well. Right, and a peek into the future. I've been getting some signals from the far future of Michael oh. and Ryan sending oh. back episodes. Yeah, so we're gonna what? be. Uh, this might not work and this will be really flexible but we're going to have even more bonus episodes on this podcast which could turn into four episodes a week but because they're bonus it's okay if they don't get released every single week because i'm still in school ryan's got a job it might be possible i'm willing to take it on but it's okay if i cut that out you said that from the future, you're getting signals of us from the future. Like, what, are we sitting in some nursing home like, man, remember when we recorded Down Gilead Lane? What <laughs> if we did more of that? <laughs> You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this whole thing is a gimmick that we've been just using as an inside joke since we recorded those Shh, episodes. No, no, we don't talk about stop. that. Okay. You're okay. breaking, all right, you're breaking all right. it. <laughs> all right. All right. But anyway, <laughs> to, to level with you guys, this has been crazy that this has actually worked i if you've noticed in the release schedule for the past couple weeks the episodes haven't always been coming out at 4 a.m which was the release schedule for basically the first four seasons of return to gilead and i'm okay with that we're still getting a good number of listens on these podcasts and they're still coming out the day when they're supposed to be released and i'd hope to go to 4 a.m in the future continuing um and that would just involve me editing them beforehand but Um, And recently, like, it's just kind of been a struggle. Like, I think you and I have both, like, been trying to get our schedules to coincide and our prep time to coincide to the point that we can record in bulk again. Uh, Yeah. For people behind the scenes, (laughs) uh, we used to do, like, four episodes at a time. Yeah. And recently we've just both not had enough time and bandwidth to get that done. So it's been more like two episodes or one episode episode. per recording session. So we've been kind of scraping by to get time to get all these episodes out. And I think (laughs) following this season, we'll probably be able to at some point go back to doing four episodes per, and then you'll get episodes a lot uh, more on time than before. Yeah, well, I mean, not to say they're not on time. Like, if I well, don't, yeah, mean, they're not I don't want to. They're, they're still on the same day, but yeah. I think we'll we'll be able to get back to that. Just because life's been crazy recently, but soon, like, there'll be lots of breaks with the winter coming along. And yeah, yeah, the end of the year and everything. We will we'll talk about that schedule when we get there, and I I think oh we'll save the announcements for what's coming up later for. Uh, future episodes. Uh, yeah, for, <laughs> I will say the review after this is going to be the lost episodes of Down Gilead Lane. We'll be starting with the first one of those, and then a two-part a two-part review of the two-part lost episode, and that'll be sort of where we talk about what's coming next. If not, then then the beginning of season seven. We'll get there eventually, but for now, we've got an extended review today of this episode and of Gilead in general. So, Ryan. What do you say we go ahead and jump into this episode? Let's do it. All right. This is Blessed Are They, 
as I said, episode 6-12, episode 83 of Down Gilead Lane. I don't have a summary for this one. I will write it eventually, but this is the one where Caleb, it's a few weeks after the previous episode, and Caleb comes over to the Morrisons. They do a bunch of recappy uh, retrospective stuff. We kind of reminisce about the past. Yeah, play a couple clips from previous DGL episodes, then Caleb takes a brochure for a college in the middle of a cornfield back home, and he tells his mom, hey, I'm going to this Christian college, and he's going to skip a semester and go a semester late. And his dad initially seems like he's going to oppose it, but then stands up to Monica and lets Caleb go to this college. And that's the ending of Caleb's side of things. Let me cut back to the Morrisons for one final scene, and I think a perfect maybe near perfect, I think it's great, final line for Down Gilead Lane, which is John Morrison saying, I guess we can trust that somewhere down the road, this story is going to have a happy ending. And that's where we leave it. Ryan doesn't like this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan. Uh, You really liked it though, yeah? I loved it, yes. I think this is a perfect way of ending it. Interesting, interesting. Get ready for some controversy. Oh, boy. We haven't had this since, like, rumor has it. <laughs> season four? What? <laughs> I think it was a season one finale that we talked about what the controversy. was season one that we didn't agree on? Season one was the whole beginning of the was Grace Wright question. Ah, yes. That was fun. Oh. <laughs> remember, you remember when we did the, the whole was Grace Wright thing? Let's play a recap of that. Let's, let's have just a clip from that to remind us of that. And then we'll have a clip of the end of the Grace Was Right controversy discussion. And then I'll tell you I'm going to a Christian college and we'll wrap this episode up. I understand why you're making no. that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. I, I, I sound super salty. I'm not. I'm just literally joking around. Uh, no, I know. I know. <laughs> that, but yeah, my my thought on this episode it's disappointing to me, not in like the way that any other episode I think has been kind of disappointing to me. Like I've talked in previous episodes where I don't like an episode because I feel like it has a bad message or, or, a, or an incomplete message. And here I just feel like it's a bit mediocre. Um, the, the final episode of Beth Culp's whole story uh, feels like it boils down to a clip show where they talk about the big mysteries from season one through four, which we've solved those mysteries. I feel like rehashing them at this point is a bit irrelevant. And then we finish off with Caleb going home and saying, I'm going to Christian college and that's fine. But I'd say if I were to boil down my issue uh, with this episode, it's because there's not really any conflict for any character where we've had prior episodes, uh, the general basic standard is that you're going to get a theme, you're going to get uh, something that someone is wrestling with, whether it's that they believe the wrong thing about something, or they know what's right, and they're just having trouble determining and deciding to do what is right, anything like that. There's a conflict within for the character. And most of this episode being a clip clip show reminding and reminiscing about stuff from two seasons, three seasons, five seasons ago, uh, with one scene at the end where Caleb decides to go to Christian college, there is no conflict. Like Caleb basically hears about it, makes the decision pretty quickly and then checks into whether it's a possibility and then says, I'm doing it. 
So he has no crisis. His mom has a crisis, but then it's pretty much instantly, like within five minutes, uh, dealt with by the dad. And so really there, there's very little conflict in this episode. Not, and I don't even mean like conflict between characters, just conflict within to determine to do what is right, because there is no really even moral decision that needs to be made here because Caleb could go to the regular college and that would be just fine too. You don't, as a Christian, have to go to a Christian college because the point of college is just to learn so that you can get a job. He says that in this episode as well. He says, it's not like I have to go to a Christian college. There are plenty of state university or plenty of Christians who go to state universities. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... In the end, like this, like you could look at this as a as a triumph because he's going a different way than his forefathers, which I feel like you that to that is a little bit to this episode's credit. It shows a bit of a thematic uh, example, or or uh, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it's a it's a in real life example that kind of mirrors the change happening in Caleb. But that's about as far as it goes. And aside from that. Like this, this episode, I feel like it might have been impactful if prior in the episode he'd shown reluctancy to make this choice, but he doesn't. And it's fine. It's just a very weak episode from a conflict slash theme perspective. And a lot of the focus is on prior season's intrigue rather than Kate. Like there's sort of two things I think this episode could have been. One could have been Caleb's journey because that's what this whole season has been about. It's about Caleb's arc. And sort of following him through from, like, punk kid to not so bad, not as punk kid to he's sort of being redeemed in the eyes of the town and trying to figure out what that's all about. A hometown hero. To, yeah, to him, to him eventually accepting that and sort of uh, taking on that persona and trying to see if he can do it, like, try to live that life, but failing even so and then accepting god and then navigating stuff after that and then we get this episode where like in contrast with the prior episodes where like uh, like i'm co- i'm comparing this to the final episodes the the finales of other seasons like sure. where maya gets saved and that feels like wow that's an emotional end where here we get Caleb gets saved, but that's not the end. Okay, what's next? Okay, Caleb navigating what it means to be a Christian. Okay, that's really solid. And then we get this, which is just Caleb deciding to go to Christian college, which feels in comparison very minor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from on that. What are your thoughts? Well, I think you're completely right in all of that assessment. And if you're treating this episode as the climax of Caleb's storyline, then of course you'd want something more. And a part of me also would want, would want that would want to see a bigger emotional impact, like have this episode focused entirely on Caleb's identity crisis and wondering whether he is a Richter or not and how that plays into his Christianity and focus on the conflict between him, Monica and Tom in the last scene or second to last scene which I think could have been really, really good. But the reason why I still love this episode and don't mind that it wasn't that way is because I don't see this season or this episode as exclusively 
or even as mainly Caleb's Ark. And I'll explain that. It has been about Caleb recently, and throughout the season, Caleb's been a very crucial character. But this episode is capping off all of Gilead. And sure. something I've noticed since season five and six, I think I even mentioned this before, and I'll, I'll mention it again several times probably. Gilead has been on a high since season four. Season four ended, and then five had the story of Joan Taylor. Six has the oh, story yeah. of, of Caleb. And through those seasons, I didn't notice a single dip in quality or in energy or in Beth Culp's willingness to do tough things with her characters and write good drama. And in all of that, I was here for Gilead, no matter who it focused on. So Mm -hmm. we had Maya back in season two and a very powerful final scene. But here, I'm okay with it not focusing on Caleb. Because I'm seeing this episode as more of the credits for all of Gilead. And because Caleb has been pivotal in this season, it makes sense why he's here. It makes sense why some of the flashback scenes talk about him and his relationship to his dad. And the other flashbacks both remind us of what has happened in Gilead, the pivotal moments. I think the scene that was pulled from the end of the beginning was one of the better ones that they could have pulled if they were going to do a recap. Regardless of whether the recap was actually good, if you're going to do a recap, that's one of the scenes that you do. Or a retrospect. And because I'm seeing everything draw to a close and remembering what I loved about Gilead, Caleb has only been a significant character for this past season. If this is going to be the end of all of Gilead, I'm okay to be reminded of previous episodes. And if we take the last episode, uh, the, what was it? Pick your battles and sort of say that that's, that's showing that even though Caleb's gone through this journey, there may not be an emotional final conflict with him. It's still riding that same emotional high from season four, that these characters are still continuing progressing. I think Beth Culp showed that she can do that with Becca in season five. And so she was more than capable of doing it. Why didn't she? I think the reason she didn't is because this was her chance to highlight all of Gilead. And I think it was also Simon Guevara's. Like after talking with him, he was saying how he was very heavily involved with landing the plane, kind of forcing the plane down for season six. And I'm guessing there's a, a bit of his influence here too. So him in seeing Beth's work and in wanting to honor her, because by this point after the episode had been written, directed, she's gone is the way he described it. So, Producing this episode, bringing it to a close, I can imagine him going in there and saying, we're ending Gilead, let's reflect on how far we've come, on the things we've done, remind the the audience of like things that they thought were impactful, because I did think those scenes were impactful. Point to some parts in the past about Caleb, and then kind of hint in the future where he might be going. Because you're right, there isn't really a conflict there. It's more of the same of what we've seen from Caleb, how he would act with his mom and his dad. But it's another angle of this is, yeah, this is probably how he would act, seeing how his transformation has taken place in previous episodes. Like in the the line that was cut from the CD version of the previous episode with Tom saying, don't cut, don't cut the boy off, let him talk if you're going to ask him a question. That's sure. basically repeated here. 
in that <laughs> yes. whole conflict. That That's the crux of the argument here. Caleb can make his own decisions. He should be able to talk here. So while I agree that it would, be, would have been nice to have a climax for Caleb, I think Beth Culp would have put it in there if she really thought it was necessary. And because she didn't, I have to try to figure out why. And the and what I'm thinking here is that Caleb had taken his the walk down Gilead Lane in episode 10 of this season, but the core of Gilead was really focusing on Tom. And so if Gilead is being wrapped up, pointing the, the focus back to Tom, even though it, it is referencing a previous episode, that I think is one of the appropriate ways to end this series. Still would have been fine to do a climax and not even reference the previous episodes. But also because we have an extended raps from Zach at the end where he lists off all of the cast for Gilead, or at least most of the cast for the Richters, Morrisons, Taylors, Karen Levine sure. as, as Grace, I think that gives further credence to that this, this was basically an epilogue. This was a credits episode. And if you take it that way, I think the criticism can be placed in this episode. And that criticism is perfectly fine. But if we'd had an episode between this one and the previous one of another conflict with Caleb, that's a climax for him. I don't think this would be I don't think this would be a problem or that this episode would be at fault for that. Like if season six had 13 episodes and six dash 12 was Caleb trying to figure out where he's going to go for college. And then this one was more of him talking about his college choices with the Morrisons and then going back home and just being reminded of how his family feels versus how he feels about it. I think that would make for a fine episode because we've had that climax. But if we look at the previous episode as the climax, I think this actually works fine, which is why I'm okay with it. And I'm willing to go a little bit back and forth more on this. I know you do have the the high ground logically with, this is how story structure should work and this is how it should end. You're absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's over, Michael. I have the high ground. <laughs> you underestimate my, um, what, um, I, I don't know. My what the... uh, rationalizing it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, it's fine. And like, I, I've, I'm not trying to stomp on you and say like, no, hate this or by any means. Sure, of I course. think I'm happy that you like it. Um, I do like and I think it's OK. It's it's just, I think, disappointing because I guess I've come to expect more from Beth Culp's writing where each episode is like the quality, a quality episode that I could listen to over and over again, where it's got that basic story structure and it has high and intense emotional beats. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, I feel fall short of that because, well, first off, it's recapping a lot of stuff that I've already felt the emotional beats in the right. past. Yep. And it gets, it's hard to have that emotional beat again when everyone's laughing about Operation Lemonade in between each beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, good point. <laughs> and then, <laughs> which uh, on top of that, I just, <laughs> I, I'm so over Operation Lemonade by this point. <laughs> I was ready for it to be done well, in season four. I mean, Caleb picks on Luke for it, where Caleb's or Luke yes. says, "Man, meanwhile, you were the all star at the high school," and Caleb's like, "Yeah, and you were doing Operation Lemonade." Right. Um, I feel like so I and I don't I don't want to criticize this without saying how I think it could have been better because I do think there's a way to do this episode in such a way that it is it ties everything in together. It doesn't have to be all about Caleb. Um, I think that if I were to fix this episode, what I would do is, first off, 
This whole season has been about the Beatitudes, and I feel like this episode might be where that kind of fell off. Like, sure. the only relation it has to the Beatitudes, really, is when it talks about uh, persecution, and you could say, oh, well, Caleb's being persecuted because of college. But it's like one conversation at the end. It's not like all throughout this episode, his mom's talking about college and breathing down his neck or anything. Um, how I'd fix it, the ending of the Beatitudes is, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. I feel this episode could have been phenomenal as a celebration of the rewards awaiting the people of Coleraine after six seasons of hardship, given the rewards so much as the fruit that they've planted in the people who have been helped throughout the seasons. Mm, so okay, we've got a whole yeah. list of people. We've got Maya was in in the six seasons, here's a lot of things that happened. Maya was saved. Miss Kopeck was redeemed from this crabby character into a character who has a bit of love in their heart and is willing to go and try to figure out who they are now. Mm-hmm. There is a seed planted for Mr. Richter to forgive himself and move on from the events of Grace. And that's not it's sort of realized but kind of not like it's it's getting there but it's not going to be told in this story then we've got becca's anger towards her mom as well as miss taylor or mrs taylor um mrs taylor is saved and becca is able to forgive her mother finally and then we have caleb who comes to christ as well as well as the renewed minds of all the christians who went through everything with long suffering and patience and kindness towards their neighbors um for the whole season or or for the whole series mm-hmm. um all the uh Morrison kids have grown so much from the place they were in the unlovables to where they are now in showing just tremendous patience towards like the Richters for example mm-hmm. the Taylors as well and the Taylors have come a long way as a family when you take all of that in, with in light of all of that Talking about Operation Lemonade and the Grace Mystery feels a bit insignificant. Like, I recognize that mystery was important to a lot of people because they were like, oh, I'm waiting for years. Where's this going to go? Right. <laughs> but it feels like if in, in Adventures in Odyssey, Eugene became a Christian and then visited Wit in the Middle East only to reminisce about the history of Dr. Blackard. Yeah. Like. Good point. <laughs> I don't know. That, sto- that, that plot focused adventure is over we don't need to talk about that let's talk about the characters for a bit and so where i feel that i would have changed this episode i would have made it a celebration of those rewards that are awaiting the people who were persecuted slash talked insulted by the richters and even graced by the town all of that was endured for the sake of winning souls for christ and for the sake of loving on those people and give sharing with them the balm of Gilead by showing them the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is like, I'll say this later, even when we're talking about down Gilead lane as a whole, I think that that is the crux of this whole series. And I, the reason that this episode disappoints me is that it's not even really alluded to the idea of the balm of Gilead is that so that that balm is Jesus. Yes. The 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 balm in Gilead is that Jesus is redeeming us from sin. Sin is the the pain, the sore, the wound that 
can't be fixed unless we apply that balm. And that balm is not just something that heals. It's something that's soothing and comforting and warm and beautiful. And Down Gilly Lane as a show is meant to not only show how when people share the light of Jesus, they can be that balm sort of in a way that they let Jesus work through them towards those people and bring them closer to himself. It's not just that, but it's also that Down Gilead Lane itself is doing that while it tells these stories. So in the story itself, the characters are extending that balm of Gilead to the people who are persecuting or insulting or hurting them. And then even in that, the episodes are telling stories that the listeners can receive that balm of Gilead as well. So sort of the the show is healing the people in and outside of itself. Mm -hmm. And this episode, I feel, doesn't. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing your pun rating for this one is also really low because of the... Uh, I mean, it's not even a pun, but like, like it's not even worth really... Like, what sure. is it? it yeah. The, the uh, episode Blessed is called... Blessed are they. And I mean, considering I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it just because it's um, an allusion to the Beatitudes. So in that nature, I suppose you could consider it a pun because it's alluding to something outside of itself and i appreciate that um it's almost a pun on the entire theme of the entire series so i'll give it like i'd say a four or a six out of ten let's land it at five out of ten okay well i think i'm seeing more and more how you're talking about we should have talked about maybe a little bit more of the beatitudes or see if that ended up there but focusing on yeah so many people's lives have been affected there, there was a lot of potential for this episode. So, yep, I, I see where you're coming from on that. Then, um, yay, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine, which is fine. I still yeah. have, I still have good feelings for it, but yeah, you know, and I don't want to take that away. No, and that's and that's good. Um, and I think we can highlight some of those changes in the characters of this episode if you if you even want to go there, uh, like with with Caleb specifically. Do you want to talk about him and where how far he's come? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I love the character of Caleb and sort of how far he's come. Uh, they they talk at length about like hey you you used to be <laughs> the kid that scares me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny uh, like d- as much as I talk about how this episode disappointed me there are still some great moments and I think that those are like, those talks about hey here's who Caleb used to be are good ones mm-hmm. um, yeah and I think it takes it does... all of that potential that you okay. that you were, were hoping for this episode and dump it all into into Caleb. At least in as much as they're reminiscing about the past. Kind of. I eh, think the okay. one mistake that it makes in doing so is that it's a lot of tell and not a lot of show. Yeah, yeah, that's like, fair. I think, I think that if they had not spent the entire episode in the uh, Morrison kitchen or living room or wherever they were, they could have they could have had a lot of fun going around coloring and kind of showing different characters. Like, here's an example. Like, a scene where, uh, and we I know, like, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but, like, later in the series, there's a thing between Anna and Maya, which I'm about to completely counteract. What if <laughs> Maya bumps into Anna, and they have a quick conversation, and Maya's like, oh, I'm a Christian now, and Anna's blown away by that because she hasn't really talked to her, and is like, wow, you've come a long way. Like, that that's a 
very quick example, and it's probably not how I would finish writing it if it was up to me to write this episode. But like, that's an example of an opportunity to show the growth without it being a, hey, you want to talk about the past with me for a little bit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. And we see a, a little bit of that in just the fact that Caleb's here, but it is just that he's he's been a very prominent person in this series. So that would be a good idea to go through and see some of those characters who we have impacted. I'm thinking with Anna, it's just that maybe her actress wasn't available, but even the other examples of actors or actresses who were available. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But even so, like there, there's a lot of fun scenes I feel in this episode where right. even, even though it's, it's not up to my high standards, it's <laughs> still, it's still enjoyable. And that's one thing I love about Gilead uh, as a whole is that no matter the episode, you can still listen to it and feel like you're kind of at home in a comfortable, safe place. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel like listening to this episode, this whole season, this whole six seasons, is that even though the characters are going to deal with tough situations and also lovely situations and some that are painful or sad, they're always going to be in Coleraine. And that Coleraine is a place where... <laughs> it's a place where people live and they learn and they grow. Mm-hmm. And I can be assured that that will be sort of a continuing theme and that the show will not only build these characters, but it will build me as well. Yeah. And that's one thing that I can't say for plenty of shows. Like you you turn on your you know your your general show on Netflix or Disney Plus and a lot of them it's just meant to be entertainment and that's not to say there aren't a lot of gems out there as well there are there are plenty i'm not ripping on television as a whole or anything but this is something really special when you can have a show that will consistently build you up personally as a human being you're able to grapple with tough ideas, grand themes, even just further your own biblical foundation as as a Christian and not feel like you're doing it at the expense of entertainment. Like these are some of the most built out, fleshed out characters that I've ever seen in an audio drama and they grow at such an exponential rate that is I think unseen in any other audio drama I've ever listened to. Mm-hmm. I come from the history of Adventures in Odyssey, and even their characters, there are so many characters that they've had a runtime on the show for over 20 years, and they're still basically the same character. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case with the show. Maya in season one is not anywhere close to who she is in season six. Even season two and three Maya are different people than season six. Caleb is not the same person that he was in season one. Season five, four, six, they're all slowly growing and changing. 
the same can be true. I, I could go through all the characters <laughs> and probably because, pick out ways that they're different. Because all the characters, all the signif- significant ones, have that kind of growth. Luke Taylor, even, who's probably the least significant of any of the characters in this episode, has sure. a very well-defined arc. And there are episodes of, of him earlier on where he reacts differently to things than he does in this episode, even. Well, maybe not super significant in this episode, but we see his interactions with his friends where we, we might not have those same interactions. Like his interactions with Caleb, we wouldn't have those same interactions if his character hadn't been built up. And that's something that we would see in this finale episode, regardless of what the content was. It's just how much that would be emphasized. We're seeing here, even in these interactions, because this is Beth Culp, because it's Gilead, these characters are really that deep. And no matter the interaction they have, even if they're telling, even if they're not showing, even if showing would be, would be better, we still, we still see how far they've come. And we see in who they are and who, who they've been built up to be, what their personalities are and what their interactions will be. And they're good characters that way. They are. And it's a testament to Beth Culp's forethought and preparation because anyone can write an audio drama or an episode of an audio drama, but to write an audio drama that's an, that's all one long story focused on a select few characters that are consistent in their characterization, but they still grow and they grow in such a way that is clearly intentional. It's not an accident. It's not shoehorned in there. It's, Consistent growth, where each point of growth has a defined reason and event that causes the growth and pushes the character, like situations that are designed to push the characters and test their flaws, their weaknesses, their strengths. It's all masterfully done. And it's a testament to Beth Culp's forethought and preparation as well as just the team that's behind her enabling her to flesh out and explore these ideas unhindered. And I think that's actually one reason that season five and six went so hard. Seasons one through four were, I think, focused a little too much on the intrigue and stretching out the intrigue with grace that we had filler episodes. Because we know from our interview with Beth Culp that they stretched out everything. She wanted to have it done and over with a lot sooner, but they had to write in reasons that they couldn't, which is, I think my problem, like when I talked about my problems with those episodes that I knew, I felt that something was off. Like this Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense why the parents would treat their kids this way. This doesn't feel like the right response to their kids. It's, it's a bit extreme. Yeah, And now I know that it's because they had to for the plot reasons. And that's one place where I think an episode is going to have um, flaws if you write for logistical reasons rather than for story reasons. Like if Beth Culp feels the mystery is over, the mystery needs to be wrapped up right here, and people tell her, no, 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 stretch it out, then that means that we're warping reality to suit logistics outside the world of Gilead. And that's, I think, why seasons one through four, while great, don't go as hard as seasons five and six. Because 
I think Beth Cope, once freed from the grace mystery, <laughs> was free to stretch her wings and f- soar. <laughs> Which she did. Yes. She did. It was amazing. That's why I think this podcast and like the interviews that we've had, uh, they've been so impactful to me because we get to see all that behind the scenes stuff and understand why this is happening. And from a couple days ago when we reviewed the last episode to today and in between then when we've interviewed uh, Simon Guevara and heard his insights about this episode, like that even helps me understand it more. I know why this episode is like this because his hand is on it because he's trying to figure out how to bring this whole thing to an end. And also because he's... Like, he's not the writer that Beth Culp is. He's creative, but I'm wondering how much of this is his influence on it. And if if Beth had written this one totally by herself, if she would have brought that satisfying conclusion. But regardless of that, maybe that's, a, maybe that's another example of being hampered again or of the constraints that CBH had. And like you said, there were some high points in season four, but season five and six are really, really where it took off. And I think that cuts to the heart of why I kept listening to Gilead after season one. Because like you, I'm I'm an Adventures and Odyssey fan. I've been an audio drama fan for a really, really long time. And I have a lot of memories of the older episodes of that show, of the characters getting into adventures and of going on trips and of the big world domination arcs happening. Uh, but then also the the really great character moments between some of the kid characters, the adult characters, a lot of the good drama that was pre- that was present in those episodes. And back in the day, I thought there's there's no comparison to Odyssey. It's the number one. Then I started listening to other audio dramas like Austin introduced me to Paws and Tales. I heard the Left Behind audio dramas and most of the Left Behind the Kids audio dramas. And radio theater and different adaptations that they put out that were released on Mm -hmm. the Adventures in Odyssey Club. And now, Down Gilead Lane. And as I'm listening to more and more audio drama, and as I'm seeing the different standards that there are for audio drama, I've come to believe, which has been apparent throughout this entire review series, that (laughs) I believe Gilead is the best family audio drama. And there are many different factors that go into this, but I'll focus on three here. One is the writing of the show. Beth Culp is a natural. She proved that in seasons five and six with unhampered, unreined in writing from CBH. She was free to do what she wanted to do without the constraints of the Grace Saga. And in fact, with the constraint of you have to wrap this up in one season. And even from the beginning, her focus on small issues, not big overarching plots, Although she did have a couple of those in the beginning, and she has some of those here at the end. Her niche was focusing on the Morrison family and the conflict between them and the lessons that they learned throughout their lives. And never throughout all of her writing of Gilead have I thought that the writing was overly stilted, where I heard it and I thought, no, that is really not the way you should have phrased that. I think sometimes I would think, yeah, I wouldn't have phrased it that way, but I know that Beth wrote that to get across what she wanted to get across. And obviously, she, she's not a perfect writer. She's still learning, and she she learned throughout the course of this, and she's still learning even as she's writing her book right now. But what she brought to the table was true. It was genuine. It was her. And because she put her heart into it, that came out. It was because she 
received so much good advice from Dave Arnold, but also could tell him, no, I want to do it this way. I don't want to make it super comedic. I want to make it entertaining, but also make it something that I think people will really benefit from. And having that support structure behind her to take her vision and make it into something that's marketable to 8 to 12-year-olds, 9 to 13-year-olds, the age range of Gilead, but also to us. <laughs> I'm 21 now, and I still, yeah, I'm love 25. The, I still love this show because it's that impactful, because the writing is that engaging. Like I talked about, the, the high of season four, she built up to that point, then continued with five and six, just demonstrating how, like you were saying, with, with other shows on Disney Plus or Netflix, I don't watch as many of those, but I'm just thinking about Odyssey. Sure. Beth's world building and her knowledge of her characters and where she wants them to go and her accomplishment of that and bringing Caleb to this point, that is extremely impressive and it goes a long way at making Gilead a really immersive world. I'm never going to have a question in Beth Culp's writing about, wait, that character said this, but back in this episode, it was this way. What about the timeline of Gilead? No, Gilead has a timeline. It's four years long. Seasons one, two, three, four, five, six. That's all about four years, maybe three. I need to go back and rework this. No, it's three because (laughs) there is a timeline. I'm just, I'm just not remembering it right now. But with that timeline and with her knowledge of the overarching, this is what this character is doing. We're not seeing this, but I know what's happening. Knowing more than the audience knows. That's one of the most important things. And that's just a small part of what Beth brought. But her incredibly coherent plots that she also made. And even in the the whole Secrets of Grace, there's, there's not a single thing in there that's like, eh, this doesn't add up. There's someone there where like, yeah, maybe you could have talked about that sooner. And yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense that the parents are exactly saying this. But once we understand their motives, even though we don't agree with them, they still work with how we've seen the characters so far. And with the plots that she weaves in these later episodes with Anthony and with Caleb, that's something that I can see happening in high school or even like I was homeschooled. So I don't know how public school dynamics are, but the, the characters are real. The interactions between these kids are real and they all fit together so perfectly. So the writing of Gilead, coming back to that, the writing is what really makes Gilead stand out to me. But on top of that, another element that Gilead would not be the same without is its production value and the amount of time that Keys for Kids or Children's Bible Hour put into this show I could imagine Gilead being produced in a much, much lower budget and not being as good. If we didn't have John Campbell for the majority of the episodes, if the sound design were sort of vacant and not really there, if the acting were worse, if if the Mueller's weren't there. I heard a clip of John and Mary Morrison being acted by somebody other than the Mueller's. It really wasn't that good, just as like a pilot. Where was that? That was, I think it was on the slow walk down Gilead Lane as a, a bonus feature. But then you bring in the Mueller's and their interactions with the kids, with the, with the, the actors, with the directors, with what we heard from Rodney Tesla. Loved hearing from him. He was fantastic as an actor in this whole thing. And if he weren't there, if this didn't have the production behind it, writing is one thing. But having the directing, the, the music, sound design, acting, the marketing for this as well, to get this to the audience where it was. People like Simon Guevara working on this thing. If those people weren't there, this would not have been as good as it actually was. Yeah, I mean, we know what it sounds like when there's weird actors. There's that one episode where they were shooting off the uh, Johnny Combat doll 
mm-hmm. or something. Right. Remember the, that? Yeah. And the the kids in the who were in the <laughs> the, the the club. Yeah. And we've heard a couple. Yeah. The kids acting, of weird acting was like, what are they? What is going was on? Was that here? a delivery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you've also got John Campbell sweeping. Uh, what's it like space exploration score in that episode too so what a good contrast there of this is what this show can be this is what you can expect from this show and i've come to expect that and leading into season six where it starts where season five left off i trust that creative choice i trust the production value and the ability of cbh to pull that off because they have such a great team behind them they really do and right about the same time when odyssey was producing novacom and coming off of the split episodes which uh, i'll i'll come back to in a second right about that time gilead was focusing on the morrisons not only with the writing but with all of the show with all of the sound design and music working toward building up this family and building up caleb and building up the taylors everyone involved in this production helped bring that writing to something that we could enjoy. Not just something we could look at and say, yeah, that's good writing theoretically, but it's an actually good show. Absolutely. And even a testament to them doing that in the midst of Novacom releasing. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember how Endgame came out and everyone went nuts? And then the Force... Or what was it? Not the, the Rise of Skywalker, against, right? Uh, the, and then the Rise of Skywalker tried to pull a "and I am Iron Man" in the final act with the "and I am all the Jedi," and it totally flopped. Yeah, it, it, like it is. There is significant temptation to do what the big people are doing when you have no foundation for it. And, and the we fact will get that, that CB- it, we will get to there in Return to Gilead at the end of the season. <laughs> at the end of the series. Oh but boy, yes. Anyway, we will. John Vornoff. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But the, but the the fact that they didn't, that even Dave Arnold consulting on the show was telling them like, hey, you can be comedic and stuff. And they were like, nope, this is what we've got. We're going to do it this way. And they stuck to that and made this, which is better than Odyssey, better than Novacom, <laughs> in my opinion. Like yeah. Novacom's amazing. It blows. It blew my mind when I was a kid. Sometimes still blows my mind now. It's really well done, but it's not Gilead. Gilead's not Novacom. And I think Down Gilead Lane is truly something special. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to that with my reasons for why I, I think this is the best Absolutely. audio drama. It's not only the writing. It's not only the production. But I alluded to this in the writing that this comes from Beth's heart. And it's all based on her testimony and something that she had been thinking about since she was a young girl. And I'm so, so grateful to her for giving her story to be this story with her past of her brother dying and finding healing through the bomb of Gilead or the song there's a bomb in Gilead with all of that bringing that to the the climax of season five with Rebecca Taylor and hearing that hymn and using that as as an allusion to this is this is what brought Beth healing and then seeing the story that she conceived of Tom Richter being the one who caused the accident that killed Grace's parents, but then finding healing through the Morrisons reaching out to him and by the like the truth coming out and him taking that slow walk down Gilead Lane, that's all coming from somewhere deep inside Beth that she believes this and that she believes that this message, this Christianity, that's true to her. 
and it it shines through in her characters. This is really evangelism for her more than anything else. It's not just a good story. It's not just the good production behind it. It could be anything secular and not come close to what this is because this is truth. Like the, the, the stories that go on in Gilead when Christianity is behind it, when it's the worldview behind it, it doesn't always have to be the main point, but the Christian worldview is true. And Beth using Christian truths and bringing that out in very, very meaningful ways that these characters believe this, they act on it, they don't always succeed, but they follow what I believe. And this story is working toward what I've been through is what I'm imagining she's saying as she's writing this that there's no suspension of disbelief in that like like you talked about with AIO there's there's no point at which I'm like eh did you really mean to do that it's that this is the christian life this is the christian walk and anybody can relate to this and anybody can learn from this i've learned from this we don't even get to see tom richter's healing we see what the characters do around him but we don't necessarily see the results of that but the morrisons are our heroes and they're the cent- like you could say they're they're perfect they're too perfect they're they're not accurate of of what a normal family could be like if you're just looking at it on the surface but they are they are accurate because what they do is they follow god and because we have that knowledge of this is where they get their faith this is where they get their strength we can be spurred on to do the same because we serve the same god as beth culp and as the morrisons who are a fictional family but acting on biblical truths. And even more than that, we're, we're spurred on to do better than them because we get to learn from their mistakes. We get to learn the easy way. This is what the Morrison kids do. This is what the parents do sometimes. This is what the Richters do. Now, take that and apply that to your life. This is how you resolve conflict. We've talked about that on this podcast, about resolving conflict or about dealing with people who are hard sure. to deal with. We've seen that with Mrs. Donner. And all of that, those are, are life lessons that because Beth's writing is such that she focuses on the small elements like that, because the production is such that we're immersed in the story, in these scenes, it touches you. And you walk away from those scenes wanting to do even better And I've thought about these episodes so many times in the conversations that I've had with people and thought, hey, that was a that was a a good way that Haley phrased that. And that was a not so good way that she phrased that. Let me see if I can do better and be inspired by that. And with Odyssey, you do get a fair bit of that. Odyssey has a lot of good character development, a lot of good moral teaching, but it's nowhere close to the amount of character development poured into these characters by this one writer. And Odyssey's and Odyssey's in such a, a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Like Odyssey's had so long to do something with their characters. And what we're seeing now in the fan base with uh, questions about Connie and her relationship status and some of the stuff that's being done on social media with Connie, people are complaining like this isn't the Connie we know. Well, there's no way to back that up because there's so <laughs> many different writers. There's not one coherent theme. There's not like this is her arc and this is what she will go through. It's nobody has any idea where the character is going. But Beth does. There's a definite lack of unity with the dispersion between like among writers that Mm. there's so many that they've all got a different idea of how characters should go. And it ends up just kind of falling back on character stereotypes rather than characterization. Right. And, and this isn't to, to necessarily rag on Odyssey because, again, I still love that show. Why not? No. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, more like? I'm not whining about Odyssey. Um, 
but this is to this is to all go back to the point of why Gilead I think is the best. And it's because also around around the same time Odyssey was making the split episodes. They're making half episodes that appealed to even younger than the eight to twelve year old range that you couldn't necessarily pick up and listen to and be changed by if you're twenty one. Yeah. But pick up nearly any episode of Gilead and try to apply that to your own life and it works. You will be changed by that. Because those truths aren't based on some complex plot. Those truths aren't based on some humor. It's just the truth, and everything else is built from that. Like, the themes of Odyssey are are many and incoherent because the theme is adventure. But on Gilead, all the themes point toward healing. That only through Christ is that healing found. And because of all that, I think Beth Culp has brought me closer to God through the course of this series. And that's that's something that I can say thank you to her for doing because Gilead is her way to evangelize to her listeners and my way to evangelize to others as well through this podcast. And only through God is healing truly found. And Gilead demonstrates just how impactful that healing can be. Well, that's my uh, long explanation. I'll let you, uh, I'll let <laughs> you go from it's there. It's a beautiful testament. And oh. I think like just... Overall, I agree with basically everything that you just said. It's <laughs> these six seasons of Down Gilead Lane explore just a lot of biblical topics and moral dilemmas. And like we've mm-hmm. talked about like the the generic overall, there's there's they always hit these different like the writing and the direction and everything. Sure. It's all hit on the head. I think even just in general, like it's hard to describe uh, from, you know, th- this has been what? Well, 83. <laughs> this is episode 83. <laughs> I can just use that. I don't have to do math. Read the episode uh, number. <laughs> it, right. It's been 83 episodes of lessons. And each episode has a lesson, a topic, a biblical discussion that follows from it. And there have been like a very small handful of like ones where I look at it and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that one. Where we talk about it and we come to a, an agreement generally by the end that it's like, well, I don't think they meant to say this. They came kind of close, but in the end, in this context, it works. Um, so even in the episodes that are in my thought, in my mind, questionable, those are a small handful and the rest are spot on. They, they tackle ideas, yeah. uh, biblical topics in such a way that you don't feel like you're being preached to. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, oh, remember, kids, you need to not steal or anything like that. <laughs> it's genuine. It's yeah. actual things that a person might go through, and it's not hokey. It's just straightforward. Kid goes to school, deals with this thing, figures out what he should do about it. There doesn't need to be any gimmicks or boing kind of sound effects or anything to to make it fun because Meteor it's Meteor guy and doe girl. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, we'll get to that. It draws yeah. you in. Yeah. It draws you in because you're listening to an actual thing happen. And that's what I think has always been the beauty and the magic of sound of audio drama mm-hmm. is that you're listening to it and you're forming this world in your mind with the help of the stimulus of sound effects, music and voiceover. That is all that's needed if you're telling a good story. You don't need the characters to quip at each other constantly. 
unless it's genuine, it's it's actually how they interact with each other. You don't need to tell silly jokes every five seconds. Unless it's Michael eating food, because that's genuinely silly. It's genuinely who he is, too. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, right. You can just be genuine with the characters and tell a story about the things that they're dealing with. And someone can tell that story in their head as they imagine the world and everything that's going on. And their imagination adds the rest of the magic that's needed to be that final ingredient to make a beautiful story that's touching to so many people. Even in spite of the fact that everyone's technically imagining completely different things. Like some people (laughs) might imagine Haley with a different hair color because it's not brought up. It's light brown. I mean, it's it's light brown, but like... Is it brought up like the moment you meet her? Probably not. It has to be light brown. It can't be anything else. No, sorry. Is, is it actually brought up? No, it's not. As far as I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, I imagine her, I think, with like blonde hair. Oh, okay. And I imagine Brooke with red brown hair. No. Oh, okay. I imagine Michael with, it's either brown or black. It depends on what he's doing. Justin, I think, definitely has black hair. And then Timmy is like a little dirty blonde. Yeah. Yeah, we see that. And then John Morrison is like a dark brown. And Mrs. Morrison is maybe also a brunette. Um, but anyway, your point being, <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's the point. That's my interpretation. That's the my hair imagination. Of <laughs> hair ratings. <laughs> oh, boy. My, 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 the, the real thing that Michael thinks about my pun ratings comes out. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> No, but, like, that's the extra ingredient is that with audio drama, everyone imagines it in a different way and adds their own interpretation and their experiences to kind of view the entire series through that lens of their imagination. So you don't need much to make it special, mm-hmm. so long as it's genuine, because the audio- the imagination adds so much beauty to it already that if you've got a genuine real story that doesn't take people out of it when they realize, oh, this is fake, this is stilted, this is this is trying to manipulate me to laugh because they're making the tenth joke about this random thing in the last five minutes, it's just genuine. And that's the awesome thing about Gilead. Yes. So, well, you mentioned something earlier on that I wanted to touch on, and that was sure. we may not always dis- we may not always agree with the theme, but then we sometimes say, well, maybe it wasn't meant in this context, or maybe this is what the theme was. Well, Return to Gilead is actually based on two Adventures in Odyssey fan podcasts, the Wadfam Chalk Pod and Return to Odyssey. Return to Odyssey is mostly where I, I got the name for it. It's run by Josh and Rachel Sternad, and they haven't been doing it in a while because of different things with their like their family life and uh, sure. busyness and stuff. But they approached Odyssey going through the first episodes of the show all in order, which is why I thought, well, we could do that too. They did the, the sure. long form format review and they had some critiques about early Odyssey. They generally, generally agreed with it and agreed with my perspective on politics or the minutia of Christianity. And so I, I wasn't necessarily like, I disagree with your take on that, but they had some really good insights and they took Odyssey for what it was and tried to explain, like, well, this is probably why they had that perspective. The Wadfam Chalk Pod um, is another podcast that's been running for a really long time. They've been doing an episode every single week since 2018, late 2018. Wow. 
That's a and lot I've, of episodes. And I've had a, a lot of, it's been an off and on relationship between them and me because back in the beginning, my dad was kind of annoyed at them because they were using uh, a bit more mature language. I guess you could maybe say like PG, <laughs> PG rated language uh, on their podcast. Um, and uh, eventually, I think I went back through and there is some, some more not so great stuff in the early episodes that I don't, I don't know if they've taken out, but it's for a different audience. And I was able to appreciate it for a certain amount of time. Once I got past the language, I thought, well, okay, maybe they actually have some good takes. And they do. But eventually, their hatred toward Focus on the Family just got way too overbearing for me. And I couldn't really keep listening to them because it was every episode they were saying how much they dislike Focus on the Family's conservatism or like the fact that they oppose gay marriage and things like that. And and so they would go into the episodes and they would disagree with some of the content of the episodes while still saying that like yeah this was this was a good episode in the way it presented this theme but i don't necessarily agree with that on a good day sometimes they would just completely mock the episode and that's frustrating but what i wanted to do with return to gilead was that i knew i wouldn't always agree with the theme but that doesn't mean the episode is bad necessarily i think we can look at rumor has it and say even if John is saying never date until you're actually ready to get married and dating isn't an option, even if he uh, Jack, sorry, even if John was saying that dating is never a good option until you absolutely know that you're going to get married to the person or courtship is the only option, I I don't think that's a problem with the episode because the episode is presenting what it believes or what Beth Culp wants to present. And taking a strong moral stance on that, if I think it'd be a worse case if it skirted around the issue, like we kind of talked about with the ties that bind and Adventures in Odyssey and our criticism of I don't agree with this theme. I I don't think that'd be fair for someone like the Wadfam Chalkpod to take an episode that I love and completely trash it because they disagree with the theme that I hold strongly. So I don't want to do that with an episode of Gilead. But. That doesn't mean I can't criticize the the way they present it. And that doesn't mean that we can, because we have criticized the way they've presented it. But I think I've always come out of those conversations saying, this is a great discussion on the theme. And I think we can appreciate how it was presented in the episode very respectfully. So that's what I admire about Gilead, that even with some of those takes that are like, yeah, might not agree on that. They're still presented in a very powerful way. Yeah. And like, I generally don't have a problem with how something's presented so much as what is presented. Yep. Often, when it's presented, it's presented in a, like, they're, they're clearly trying to teach this, but I feel like the the general vibe of most of those episodes is that it's presented with humility. No character is going full on, like, I'm going to uh shame you for not believing the thing that i believe right mm-hmm. you know it's generally like mr morrison is gently cons- uh, gently encouraging his daughter like hey here- here's a way that you could do this that you might avoid some heartache and i can disagree with that and i can even talk to beth culp about the episode and she'll oh, yeah. say like you know i don't remember writing that i was probably writing that from a, a place of this and I don't know if I agree with that anymore and I'll be like cool that was (laughs) the most humble conversation I've ever had with the writer of an audio drama where I disagreed with the way that they wrote something she's just the best she's just fantastic yeah and it is just it's 
a sign. It shows how awesome of a person the writer is that it comes out in their writing that they're they're not going to present an episode in such a way that they toxically hold a viewpoint and will not be challenged on it. If they mm-hmm. they they genuinely want to share what they think, what they believe in a way that it can touch lives, but that it's not beating people over the head with their ideas until it makes an imprint. Can I Because uh, yeah. Well, can I talk about Modern Day Odyssey for a second? Please. Well, we've avoided talking about it on this podcast, but there's a series of episodes on Adventures in Odyssey that came out in 2020 and 2021, written by Phil Lawler, the co-creator of the show. And the conversations I've had with him could not be more opposite than what I've had with Beth Culp. They've been some of the most um, rough and discouraging conversations I've had about the subject, partly because he's not willing to see that like I'm a huge fan of his work And yet I feel like the issues that he's presenting of almost moral relativism are dangerous. And what he comes back with is, well, you're not in the place where I am. You need to have years of practicing this before you can even go there. Contrast that with Beth Culp saying, I am so glad you brought that up. Thank you so much for presenting that to me. I apologize if I presented that not genuinely. And let me try to clarify what I meant and possibly find some middle ground on that. Yeah, that humility goes a long way. Yeah, that's another that's another reason for me specifically why I think Gilead is better than Odyssey right now. And that's just for me is that I've needed a break from Odyssey. I've needed to step back from my conversations with Phil and with well, most of the other team has been fine. But with those episodes that have been so heated and such controversy surrounding that. Gilead not only doesn't have that, but has the opposite. I mean, there's yes. there's some stuff behind the scenes that we've will we'll have to go into a little bit, not too much detail, with the lost episodes, with the continuation of Gilead after these episodes. That sure, it's got a checkered past, but man, Beth Culp's integrity and her willingness to discuss and her willingness to present themes in such an open way could not be more different than what I've experienced yeah. on Odyssey. Yeah, and I think it goes back to even just the first episodes. Not not meet the Morrisons. That doesn't count, kind of. <laughs> but, uh, the the unlovables. Uh, the idea presented in those episodes being that when we face hardship, primarily dealt by unbelievers towards us believers, it's to us to practice and bear the fruit of long suffering, showing grace and kindness in return to those who wrong us. And we see that with grace towards the Richters, mm-hmm. uh, Becca to Mrs. Taylor, Maya to Miss Kopeck most of the cast to Caleb and countless other examples in micro that don't necessarily get explored in the series, but it's, it's just a beautiful message. And I love how it's carried throughout the series, mm-hmm. sometimes implicitly, sometimes explicitly uh, during these reviews, I've expressed how I feel. Sometimes the message is leaned into a bit hard to the point that maybe it runs the risk of teaching its listeners to live their lives in such a way that they enable or even encourage abusive behavior when it's unnecessary. But that aside, like that's every once in a while, but in the, in the, mm. the general and that's series. that's also based on your life experience and your wife's life it experiences is, as it well. Is. I, I will grant that. There's a little bias there. But that's but fine. The, ser- the series displays how believers in sharing the love of Christ bring that healing balm of Gilead to those who need it most. And that's shown not just in the episodes, but in the treatment of the writer towards her fans 
mm-hmm. and the treatment of the writer of the characters in the series. And in addition, the series just overall does a tremendous job of just in general balancing serialized drama with indiv- individual stories. An episode can tell self-contained stories that contribute to a long-reaching theme or character development within mm. any given season, and it doesn't come across as over or even under-serialized. We go back to The Unlovables. It's a two-parter, and they're both self-contained episodes. How does that work? Yeah. It's good. It's, it's really good. It's good. It's so great. <laughs> but like even more than that, it does so in such a straightforward, genuine way. We've I've beat the nail. I've beat this dead horse over and over again. It's such a genuine show, but it really is. And rarely, whenever I'm listening to Down Gilead Lane, do I feel like this is a kid's show. It has so much to offer, both from plots, to characters, to stories, to messages, and it offers it all packaged in a pleasant, laid-back environment that's welcoming, and I really just consider it my ultimate audio drama comfort show. Yeah. The only time I've kind of felt it was a kid's show was the beginning of The Key to Happiness, and even that, we had other issues with other parts in that episode but even that was more like an adult peeking in on a young kid's conversation and even that episode is still fun to listen to because the kids are cute and apart from that the other episodes they are it is yeah just like you said it is a comfort show it is something that you can fall back on and either learn from or be (laughs) be ministered to (laughs) in a way with the grace that the characters give also there's a cat Oh, you had to bring that up. Yeah, there's, there's a cat. We can't talk more about the cat? Okay. What? You, you, you don't like the cougar burger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that we can make such great inside jokes about this series, um, we've, we've done it with Odyssey and we're doing it here, is because there's there's there are funny lines and there are funny scenarios that the characters are in that we love to remember. And <laughs> we look back on those episodes and the, the, the things that they, they went through and think, yeah, wasn't that funny when Michael forgot the tape for the bird sounds and so he ended up making his own bird sounds? And that's a, that's not a Beth Cobb episode. That's a Leah Gartner episode. But seeing how they were writing together, how their writing styles are similar, the episode doesn't mm-hmm. end there. You think, oh, yeah, why was that significant? Oh, because Maya was a new Christian and because Michael was irritating her and she was trying to learn how to be patient with him. That all comes back to Christ and to those themes. And that comes back to the healing that Maya experienced, that Caleb experienced, that Tom Richter experienced. All of that cohesively builds these little moments toward that overall theme. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ryan. Were you going to go any, anywhere else with what you were just going to say? Oh, enough said. Okay. I, I just It's a great show. Can't say enough good about it. Yeah. We, this, this, uh, these 83 episodes are our love letter i feel to the show saying mm-hmm. just thank you for all you did to make such a show yes such a success for people who you maybe didn't even know would ever listen to it like we we're are both way new fans. way past the expiration date of like what yeah. should have been the expiration date of this show <laughs> right like we are new fans brought into this by just chance i doubt it's chance but <laughs> like it, no, for this me is, this is my going wife back just so to... happened to be like hey let's listen to this and for you yeah. it was like me slash austin peachy being like hey Even we've got a sh- that. have we got a show for you <laughs> <laughs> i talk about this a little bit in the the future timey-wimey um Whoa. thing that we're doing in, in there but my first introduction to keys for kids was red rock mysteries episode i think nine 
of that just randomly mm-hmm. playing on the radio. And I don't remember if it was before then or after then. My dad said to me, hey, I was driving home one day and I heard this audio drama called Down Gilead Lane. Have you heard of that? And way, way back then the seed was planted of there's another audio drama besides Odyssey. And I didn't know anything about it. You're you're part of a bigger world. You just don't know it yet. (laughs) Everything has been working towards this point. Um, (laughs) But but yeah yeah the I I thank you Ryan for uh, helping me the I don't I think it was more Austin who told me about the 24 hour sale but you were definitely there. I mean. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't have you as a co-host. So this, thank you for inviting me along for the journey. Sure. I think it's been great to share our insights and yeah, this is, um, for me, this is the biggest one. Uh, this is just, most of this is a big fan letter to Beth Culp for, for this whole thing, this whole endeavor. And it's all also to tell others why I love this series. Not just that I love it, but breaking down exactly why. And I think in this discussion, we've, uh, we've hopefully done that. Or at least made for some interesting background conversation. <laughs> but most people write like two or three pages in their love letters. Meanwhile, we do an hour long podcast. Two, meanwhile, two guys in their twenties <laughs> <laughs> producing eighty three episodes of a podcast that no one's ever gonna be able to listen to. <laughs> uh, you talk about love letters. This is why I'm still single. I spend way too much time on this. No, it's not. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, my darling, my love, I have composed 83 episodes of a podcast just for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're all 25 minutes apiece. <laughs> different kinds of love. <laughs> anyway. But also, speaking of people listening to podcasts, just thank you to all the listeners for yeah. sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Not even just sticking with us, but sharing Down Gilead Lane with us, sharing your thoughts, yes. your opinions. Showing us that, like, just how big the fandom for Down Gilead Lane still is, even after all this time, which even that is just a testament to how good the show is. But it's just awesome to have all of you behind us in this endeavor to review all these episodes and to just kind of, to a certain extent, breathe new life into the fan base and just have more time to talk with people who are just as passionate about these episodes as we are. Yeah, I'll just go through and list all the people who have given feedback so far. Um, thank you so much to Emily, Michael, Johnny, Jennifer, Bob, Noah, Kaylee, Jeremy, and Ian. Thank you to all of you for sending your feedback and being a part of this podcast. And to the to the greater audience, ditto on that, Ryan. Um, we really couldn't do this without the support of all the listeners. I'd probably be a lot more burned out if it were just the two of us with zero listeners, but it's seeing, (laughs) it's seeing the discussion every week on these podcasts and the, the really great discussion that's, I think spurred on from these episodes where people talk about the themes behind it and uh, the testimonies of people's lives and the co-hosts that we've had, which we'll, we'll mention here in a little bit, but that's also been really gratifying to me to, to see that. So yeah, thank you all. And with that, let's go to the wraps for the last time in this era of Gilead. Return to Gilead is a fan review podcast of episodes written by Beth Culp, Leah Gardner, and Sarah Ozinski for the audio drama Down Gilead Lane. Your hosts are Michael LaFaver and Ryan Matlock. Music arrangement by Michael LaFaver with music post-production by Israel Unby and Ryan Matlock for Era 2. 
Cover artwork for Era 2 originally by Ali Barrett. And cover design originally by Bethany Burnett. Special thanks to J.D. Sutter. Hey, Michael, hopefully one of these will work for you. Michael Collins. Thank you. Brendan McFarland. Thanks for having me. Austin Peachy. Thank you. Hannah Matlock. Thanks so much for having me. Tom Casaletto. Thank you very much. Rodney Tesla. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Lori Krieg. You're so welcome, guys. Randy Heckman. God bless you guys. Simon Guevara. Appreciate you guys, yeah. And Beth Culp. You're welcome. You guys have fun learning how to find your voice in this world. We thank you for joining us on our return to Gilead. <laughs>